I'm Tim Moon, and welcome to the Data Insights Simplified Podcast. In this podcast, we take real people with real solutions and break them down into ABCs and 123s in order to simplify the increasingly complicated data landscape. I go inside the minds of some interesting data practitioners to extract simple solutions that have added real business value. We try to have some fun along the way. So sit back, relax, and let's get to learning through some real data stories. Our guest today is extremely rare, about as rare as a unicorn. In fact, he is a unicorn. Greg Nash is the lead principal at boutique firm Dear Watson Consultancy. It is a specialist in the Microsoft Power Platform with particular expertise in Power BI. In fact, Greg is appropriately labeled a Power BI unicorn. He's been working with Power BI since day dot. As a Power BI early adopter, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to delivering simple value-add business solutions. He also regularly trains new users via Dashboard in a Day and Power BI Essentials Training, which you can learn more about at www.dearwatson.net.au. Without further ado, here is Greg Nash. All right, Greg, welcome to today's podcast on Data Insights Simplified. Greg, could I get you to introduce yourself, uh, just name and your, tell us a little bit about your company? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Tim. Um, my name is Greg Nash. I'm the principal consultant at Dear Watson Consulting. We're a Power BI uh, base specialized uh, Microsoft Gold Partner. Yeah, that's what we do. Power BI all day, every day. So we uh, we help people with analytics, all sorts of different industries, all sorts of different sizes. Um, kind of specializing on that analytical end of the data pipeline, you know, and and trying to understand data from a business value point of view. I guess. Ooh, well, you've said a few things there that we hope to get into today. Um, you said the business value, and then you talked about the analytical pipeline. Line end. Can you just tell me a little bit more kind of what you mean by that? Because analytics is is discussed often uh, in a variety of ways. And that's part of what this podcast is all about is trying to get more to uh, the heart of what that means for different people. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I think a lot of businesses kind of struggle with, isn't it? Like, you know, that idea that um, data simplified, you know, the name of the podcast is data is inherently complex and, 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 and all of the things that we deal with in the world of data, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in terms of, um, you know, context in terms of the way that we, we, we analyze data, you know, people, the way that they view and interpret data is inherently unique. So people are sort of complex in the way that they understand data. And so we as analysts have this, have, have challenges in, in, well, how do we build this in such a way that someone can interpret it? You know, uh, the goalposts are always changing, you know, you've got these situations where people, um, you know, like they, they'll see a report and, you know, that's pretty famous thing in BI is this, the, the first thing that happens as soon as you show anybody a report is that they start asking new questions and asking for new insight. And so that goalpost, because the goalpost is always changing, we, we live in this complex environment. We live in a complex system. Not only do we have that sort of, that, that the way people work, but also the technologies we deal with are complex, right? We've got source systems that live in all sorts of different places. The way that our pipelines, you know, how we get 
get data out of those systems is different and we might need specialists to go so one might be an API one might be an SQL database and 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 the data comes in a form that's not optimized for analytics it's optimized for transactional systems and so we've got this complexity associated with that as well and then all in all you know it becomes an expensive an expensive process you know like data resources aren't cheap either and 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 people that want to 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 sort of simplify their data pipeline is almost they're faced with this with what is inherently a complex system and we're almost like a complex system inside another complex system you know we've got we've got the actual what the business does for you know where if we're a distributor for example is what we do is we distribute like we don't build reports for a living and so so you've got this complexity where you need to to deliver business value in a lot of ways is is understanding how we live inside this system and how we we sort of um, we we can deliver that you know those insights from out of this sort of inherent complexity I guess so so let us you know we I believe in uh, humanizing data and that's really getting to know people a little bit more that that kind of sit behind the the data so uh, how long have you been in the data game I've been in the data game it's it's an interesting qu- I've been full-time in the data game for about five and a half years and so that would be basically since power bi came out power bi when I first discovered it was which yeah would have been six or so years ago it was still inside excel at that stage under the under the power pivot um sort of product and it was integrated with sharepoint and power bi designer the original name for power bi desktop had just come out and and my background was more operational IT. My my job was putting laptops on desks. It wasn't to wasn't to do reporting. I wasn't part of the BI team. I didn't come from a sort of a a, a Cognos or a SSAS background, so to speak. And so, uh, my experience with BI was as a part of a support person's application support or interacting with the BI teams sort of as an outside person, but still part of IT, if you like. So uh, the thing that I, you know, observing that working in large enterprise, you know, looking at IT, at IT people and then looking at the BI team is that the BI team were a really unpopular team, you know, like the, they struggled to get uh, um, information out in a timely fashion. You know, there was there was all the sorts of um, outstanding questions that people wanted answered from an operational perspective that they that they couldn't answer and really only the finance team and maybe a few sort of high level um, operational teams got any of the stuff that they wanted. And there was this huge groundswell of other things that people wanted to get out of the team and I guess um, didn't couldn't do that. So I guess coming back to sort of what I was doing, my job was to do all my reporting for IT operations, right? I needed to say, you know, this is how the service desk is doing and this is how the availability of the systems is going and all these kind of things that went up to the CIO. And so that reporting was all done in Excel. Like all of my reporting, that I, my reporting stuff is how is built in all of these sort of, you know, uh, skunk works, you know, like uh, uh, data models where I would, you know, I would either ask a developer or somebody who had database access to give me a secret backdoor into the database so that I could get timely access to data. And I think that is, is one of the things that when I saw Power BI as a, 
as a tool and, and, and you sort of see these, this sort of what we'll call the modern sort of uh, the modern iteration of, of BI tools, this sort of end user BI idea. And it comes with Tableau and ClickSense and, and Power BI obviously is that suddenly that power to directly access data is much more in the hands of the, of the person who's responsible, who understands the business value of that data. And I think that's the, the attraction to me of these types of tools is, is that as a, as a business person, and my 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 wish was to always have access to the data that was relevant to me and then to be able to model that myself and interpret in the way that I want to do it and do that exploration and and do those bits and pieces and so when that tool came out you know when I first saw Pabby, I was like this is built for me this is my tool you know and so so that was where I really saw the value of that immediately and sort of went all in on, on learning it as best I can. And now, yeah, obviously working in it all day, every day. So, so it sounds like, I don't know if you've ever done any marketing for any of these tools. Cause it, it sounds like you've given like the epitome of the, the <laughs> visualization and, and uh, empower your business users and self-service. And mm. I'm just curious, do you see any drawbacks to doing that? I mean, it's clear that you were really excited, like, yes, we get it in the hands and you were a user at that point in time. Give it to me. You know, ha- have you experienced drawbacks to to that push to get more reporting and analytics in business users' hands? Oh, I think there's there's a there's a paradigm shift that that happens and and that that really, really challenges, you know, traditional sort of BI team, BI sort of approaches to a point that, yeah, it's, it, it, there is that tension between someone like me who's very, let's get in there and build things. And then there's, uh, I call it like command and control approach to, to data, you know, is that IT based where, where it, we, we can't let users have access to the data. We need to control it for regulatory issues, or we need to control it from a security perspective, or we need to control it from a sovereignty perspective. And, and I struggle, particularly when I first started in Power BI, because I was always the person who was kind of asking for access to things I shouldn't have theoretically have access to. Uh, I struggled with, with what that, how that really works. And I think where the, 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 the real sort of turning point for me in understanding, you know, how that should really work, because I'm, you know, like, like I said, I come from operational IT. I can empathize with the IT team in this situation. I can empathize with them not wanting to give you know, uh, control of data to somebody who potentially could, you know, create a report and publish it on the web and suddenly, you know, the data's out there for everyone to see. And, 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 and the, the way to deal with that is always, um, something that, that particularly in the early days I struggled with, but I think the, the, I think what we've seen in sort of the DevOps movement in development and 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 what we're seeing in, in even just modern management is that command and control style is effective up to a point when you have a simple, a simple sort of system. And so when, 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 when you've got uh, good definitions of what you need to do, so let's say um, from a da- from a data perspective, you've got something like uh, a data warehouse that has, you know, you're doing like very strict sort of financial statement type stuff that has really strong rules around business rules around what that financial statement should look like. Then a command and control style um, data warehouse approach works really well, right? Because you, you right. can regulate 
regulated. There's a lot of rules around it. Those rules don't change very often. It's not a, it's not a, it's a slowly changing environment. We call this kind of core data in the, in the world of, of sort of um, in the Microsoft sort of uh, space, you know, like, and, and that's, that's really the, the, the data that's highly regulated. You probably already have a data warehouse that that works really well for. And that, that hasn't changed. Like you don't change your BAS statement very often. You don't change those things that are, are regulated by the government. Well, some things regulated by the government very often. So that's great for when you can control those things and for when it's a simple system in the context of data. But the challenge that we face in the modern era is that we've got this new complexity, fast moving data, social media data, IoT data. The data is exploding in a way that that is is means that we need to be much more agile in the in the way that we deal with it. To, to try and put regular, like strong regulation around, around have a single point of focus. It, what happens is that person who's trying to, you know, you know, do your data quality, you know, from a point of view is where they just point out all your data's wrong and then they send it back to you to try and fix is that they're just overwhelmed with work because there's just too much, this data is too complex, there's too much going on, there's too many things. And so I think we saw a tension with that early on when, when we went from, you know, you sort of had your core data, but there was things like business processes, you know, like the classic example is a new CEO comes into an organization and they change the organizational hierarchy, right? They say, oh, we're going to flatten or we're going to make it more hierarchical or whatever. So what happens to the reporting team when you do that is that they say, you can't do that. It's going to break all of our highly regulated data warehouse because now everybody reports to a new person and we have to change the structure of the way these things work and we have to change the security model and we have to change who has access to what. And now suddenly this cost code has access to this cost center and this. And so you end up fundamentally changing the things in a rigid, if you're in a rigid sort of command and control data environment, you can't, you're not agile enough to be able to move with that kind of change. And that's a fairly irregular, fairly simple change from an organizational point of view. So you have no chance when it comes to fast moving data or hard to, hard to access data. And I think that's the, that's where it, it, it becomes, it's kind of obvious to me that, that, that sort of end user idea, that's this sort of ideal that, that Microsoft and other companies like Tableau and that talk about is, is giving access to the people who, and to model and, and, and do the things that they need to do in a way that doesn't rely on a, a big development life cycle in the back end means that you have that agility to change and be, and make those decisions quickly. And so we move away from sort of a uh, into a more agile sort of learning type uh, environment. And and so it, it, it's interesting. So command and control shifting to being much more agile. And and again, have you found issues with that as it's as we free data and we've put it in the hands of business users? I mean, you you've highlighted the command and control style isn't agile and doesn't really stay up with the times. Um, have you identified any issues on the other end as we open things up and, you know, and we can even assume that security is all right, even though that's not necessarily a safe assumption or the right assumption. Um, happy, happy for you to speak to that if you, if you'd like to. Um, but because there's always, there's always going to be, you're, you're shifting from one end to the other. There's going to be some 
challenges. So I'm just curious as to, or, or, or maybe not in your experience, Hey, you know, get Greg on board because when you get him in doing it, there are no challenges. The guy, he takes care of all of it. That's why he's here. Yeah. The challenges side of that is really interesting to me. I think the fear is worse than the actual in that respect. I think people worry about it and, and certainly you know, and, and this this sort of harks back to the beginnings of the DevOps movement where developers were, you know, like people would would try, were worried about developers making their own changes and publishing them to production, right? That's a classic example of the modern sort of, uh, the, mod, the modern era of DevOps is, you know, a developer in a large organization like Facebook or Google, they can literally create new code and publish it in and it gets, and it goes straight to production after going through a series of tests. Why? Because that developer generates their own tests and the the, the developer knows what the security protocols are for Google. They're trained in how security works before they even write a line of code that they, they're given um, guidance around how to do that. And I think that's where the data side of the world, the data data ops is behind in terms in behind developers is in that data people are still are still in that situation where they're like, no, we can't let people have data because they will, you know, they'll do something like expose uh, critical data to, you know, the internet or, and, and I mean, when it comes to security, we need to build this into the underlying pipeline, right? If there is, if you've got credit card data in your data warehouse, I would, the first question I ask is why do you have credit card data in your data warehouse? Like, should not that be built into the pipeline where the credit card data gets pulled out before, like there's no, you're never going to report on it, right? Which people have their credit cards starting with 735. That's not going to be a, an operational report. And so, so I think that shift that we saw in DevOps in development where the security is, is built into the development pipeline and the developers are made, made responsible for their own, um, for their own actions is the same shift that we need to see in data. And, and the, I think the fearful thing from an IT perspective is no longer, it's no longer IT professionals doing it. Some now it's business analysts and people inside the business. Oh, oh no, what do we do if the business person gets access to the data? The reality is it's probably already happening in some kind of skunkworks way, right? They're probably extracting it out of the database and doing some Excel spreadsheets yeah. and and sharing it via email in probably a less secure way in in a lot of respects and so so I I think that that is the the, the that fear is actually is an unfounded fear in that respect but I, I mean I acknowledge that it needs to happen but I think the approach isn't a is not the command and control approach where we review everybody every you know report everybody's ever done and say that this is the wrong way of doing it it's not the right way it's actually educating and bringing up the people who are responsible for building those reports on, okay, you know, when you're dealing with, you're, you're in the HR team and you've got everybody's wages, you know, this is not the sort of thing you share, you know, and if you do share it, we're going to sack you or, you know, something like that. I think they're the, they're the re- appropriate responses for that. You know, Clear, clearly you've got a, a soft touch, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We are going to straight to, yeah. straight yeah. to sack <laughs> you. <laughs> um, some really good points. So you, you mentioned command and control is kind of to me, I get the sense of the old style of doing things. Do you have a, a language or a terminology for the new way of, of doing data? Is it just agile? I've heard you mention that a few times. Or what, what's the new paradigm that you, you think people should be moving towards? I think data ops is the, is the, the current sort of term that people have have, st- have moved to and 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 um, we're seeing it more and more in even even now we're seeing it you know like people are looking for data ops engineers you know people who are who sort of understand the new, this this new ideal uh, um, a lot of 
uh, DevOps and data ops. And like, if you look at the, the, the current sort of state of data ops, um, literature and what people are talking about a lot of it is focused on back-end data engineering stuff so it's about big data and getting data into the right place at the right time there's less of a focus on the analytic on the analytics end i guess and i think that that's a mistake from a from a value stream point of view so if you think of you know like all of this is all based on value stream management and and, and lean and and toyota production system and all these kind of like uh, fundamental sort of foundational things that that sort of hit manufacturing in the 80s is now you know something that all of the data you know that we're sort of facing in a new sort of way in the in the in the current era you know you think about things like uh, RPA, robotic process automation, you know, that's, you could, you could equate that to the robots of the eighties where they're, you know, coming up with new manufacturing lines and new efficiencies, you know, like these things, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crossover. And, and I think the data ops idea that, you know, we can, we're getting data into the right place, you know, so that it can be sort of uh, consumed by the right person at the right time is great up to a point. But I think that there's, I think where it misses, sometimes misses the mark is in the inside area. I think that's more, com or the analytics area is more complex than, than, than what they give credit for. Often you're in a situation where, you know, you set up a data pipeline where you've got all of this uh, data coming in from different places. And then, yes, you can, you can query it and you can build your data solution. But then what often happens is the person wants to run a, you know, build a complex data model to get access to a report, but then also enrich that data. So then they want to build an app on top of that report to add more data on top of it. And then they want to get another report on after that. And that all happens at the analytics end, you know, where you're building an analytical model, getting data out of that, then building another enrichment on top of that, and then building another data model on top of that. And so I think there's more work to be done. I don't see a lot of people talking about that. And the analytics end is kind of in the data ops world is like, and then analyze it at the end, you know, and it, I think that I think we need to, to, spend a bit more time having an appreciation for the systems required to be able to deliver analytics into your organization and think about, well, you know, what's the value of what we do as analysts? How, how do we, you know, what, what are we here to actually achieve and, and understand that system and have an appreciation for it, I guess. Well, can, can you speak, you mentioned value stream management and, and yeah. can you speak more to that and describe for our listeners kind of how should we think about that when it comes to data and analytics for our organizations and companies. Yeah. And this comes back to a, uh, a sort of an interesting area, one of the most interesting areas of DevOps and 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 the sort of you know uh, lean and those kind of things is sort of an appreciation for the system and systems thinking, right? And so, one of my favourite uh, quotes is from a guy called John Gall, who wrote a he wrote a uh, book called Systemantics in the seventies or something, I think it was, and uh, so it's kind of a satirical book about systems. And one of the things that he says is called Gall's Law. One of his quotes is that a complex system that works is invariant found to have evolved from a simple system that worked right and I think that and, and he goes on to sort of say that complex systems you can't design a complex system from scratch right you can't you, what you have to do is build a simple system and then evolve that simple system into a more complex system and that's kind of my guiding philosophy for pretty much everything that I do is that I want to build something simple that works get that to work nicely and then evolve that into a more complex system as we go and so so it's very much thinking 
thinking about, well, okay, what is the system and getting back to sort of the idea of a value stream in DevOps, they, they call it from aha to ka-ching, right? And this is this <laughs> idea from the moment that somebody inside your organization says, hey, I've got an idea for a report or an insight that I need to get, you know, that's the aha moment, aha. And then uh, something, something, something happens and then ka-ching, they get the report or ka-ching, then probably more accurately, ka-ching, they take action from that report and get a valuable outcome, right? And so the idea of a value stream is that, okay, what's the valuable outcome that this person inside your organization is trying to achieve? And then it's driven by some kind of insight. They say, oh, well, I need to know, you know, how's our New South Wales office performing in, you know, in XYZ. So I need to know that so that I can then, you know, improve our bottom line by X percent. You know, that's kind of the the outcome they're trying to get. So your job as an analyst is then, okay, they need to know how the New South Wales office is performing. What do you mean by performing? Oh, I mean, you know, it means X, Y, Z percent over this or that. You know, we've got to get it to become a measurable outcome. And so take it from okay, what is, what is the steps we need to take? Well, we need to understand what all the source data is. We need to extract it. We need to store it somewhere. We need to pull it out. We need to transform it. We need to maybe potentially put that in another data warehouse or put it in some kind of semantic model. We need to then build, explore that and get more calculations on top of that semantic model. We need to visualize it. We need to share it. You know, And so if you think of that as kind of the analytics value stream, the 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 from the moment where somebody, and really someone has to enter the data first right and so so it's really from the po- from the moment someone enters data to the moment where somebody uses that data in a valuable way to to generate a, a positive outcome if you think of that as the end-to-end analytics value stream then in the context of your own organization, sometimes that's a really simple thing. Sometimes that's really complex and then understand. But I think if you keep that constantly in mind, that idea, understanding that flow, it too often go wrong in terms of the way that you approach analytics. And where, where are you seeing the most value delivered in that stream? Just in your, your opinion, your experience with clients, where do you see the most value being extracted from that data value stream? I think the, well, I think that it's all... It's all important, right? But I think the, where that kind of systems thinking really gives gives you the most value is where you're in a situation where you, your data activities associated with extracting data out of siloed, right? So, so where the value is, is the joins between the teams that are responsible for doing, uh, for doing these activities. And, and so the, probably the most common thing that I see when I go into particularly larger organizations, less so with small organizations, because it's usually fewer people and less communication overhead and that kind of thing. But if you're in a large organization, there's usually a data engineering team and they're responsible for building, you know, data engineering solutions. And then you have, the data warehousing team and they're responsible for putting making tables and then you have a reporting team and they're responsible for building reports and the data engineering team is really good at engineering and the data warehousing team is really good at creating data warehouses and the data reporting team is really good at building reports so you've got expertise vertically in each of these silos but but if you if you an appreciation for what the value of a single report is, then the data warehouse team just builds a bunch of tables that are useless and the reporting team builds a bunch of reports that no, nobody ever uses and the engineering team connects to a bunch of systems that never, that don't have any value to the business. And so that's where I see the biggest, the, the biggest sort of uh, value change when I first come into organizations is, is, is the communication between the teams 
uh, across the stream rather than, you know, rather than off. I, I almost never run into a situation where I see people that don't really know what they're doing in the data warehousing team. And they just, the reason why you've got a bad data warehouse is because your data warehousing team is not very good at building a data warehouse. That's no clue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so given we're talking a bit about the value, can, can you give us a bit of a story about uh, business value and in terms of, you know, where, where is a place and you don't have to name the actual organization, you know, you, mm. you can just say this industry, uh, the business value they were looking for. Can you, can you, I guess, uh, recount for our listeners, uh, some business value and then uh, a bit about kind of how you went about delivering it. Uh, yeah, business value and how we went about delivering it. Yeah. There's a few different examples that I like to give, but I'm, I'm trying to focus in on, I think the interesting ones are, so we had a customer would be a little while ago now who, uh, who's, and, and and actually, I know what I'll do. I'll give you an example of where it worked, and then I'll give you an example of where we got it wrong. Because I think they're Perfect. the most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that's yeah, what yeah. this is all yeah. about. Yeah, and so, so where we get it right, I think, and 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 that idea, like I said, that's kind of the fundamental idea that I go into every business with is, okay, let's try and understand this system of how we deliver value into the, or how we deliver insight, where the insight delivery system, right? And so, um, where I see people run into trouble and, you know, my example of where we run into trouble as well is where you, you, you get this kind of lock, you know, businesses get locked into a particular sort of data model or they've spent a, there's a lot of technical debt as in they've spent a lot of time developing something that sort of does what they wanted to do, but doesn't quite deliver the end. So we, well, we came into a, to a, like a sort of medium sized distributing uh, company, they um, Australian based, but had an international sort of presence. And so they had a few different manufacturing locations and, and, and you know, sort of complex, highly transactional, like be a power BI's seems to be really popular with highly transactional uh, sort of businesses. I think that's because data is kind of hard in those businesses. They're probably, they tend to be low margin, high transaction, so lots of data, not much money, and we've got all this data to wrangle in. So, so we've seen a few of those, and and um, and where that, I think the. The, the interesting thing about it is they, they'd hired, you know, an external consultant to, uh, you know, an analyst who sort of not sure, you know, how competent that person was, but they went away and they built them a sort of a data solution, you know, and they sort of sold them the dream on this data solution. Anyway, sort of a year or so later, you know, they've got this giant behemoth of a Power BI sort of environment with a bunch of stuff in it that, and then no, no one was using it and no value out of it. And, and so Sort of, you know, the IT manager is under pressure from all of the, from the COO and all the operational matters saying, where is our, where are these reports that you promised us all these years ago? This is, I, there's probably five customers that have had this problem. It's not a, so if you're in this situation, you're not by yourself by any stretch of the imagination. And so I think, um, that situation where, and what had kind of happened and what I see happening. And one of the thing, one of the mistakes I think it's easy to make with something like a Power BI is that you, you try to throw too much into a single sort of model. Right. And so you're like, let's, okay, we can create this amazing semantic model that does all this analysis. And so let's put it all in and then they'll be able to 
any possible question that they could possibly ask, the business will be able to answer. This is one model that rules them all type uh, right. approach. Which sort of sort of coming back to that command and control style, that works if it's simple. Like you can do that and it will work and it'd be great if it's if it's sort of a simple environment. But as soon as things start to get complex, you have a couple of different ways to analyze things. There's a couple of different contexts in which something can be analyzed, a couple of different data shapes that need that are required. Those sorts of things can create havoc in that kind of model. And and when you've got large systems, what it sort of grows and grows and 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 there wasn't much optimization going on there, so it kind of ran pretty slowly. And then eventually it kind of just grinds to a halt where the developer's kind of locked into this. Well, I've done a year's development and I haven't really delivered anything, but I can't go back and rebuild it from scratch. You know, that would take another year or, you know, and so, so they feel like they've gone down the right path. I think, um, the thing that we, the approach that we, we took with them and, and the approach that I really advocate for is to, is, is to first don't be afraid to, 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 almost throw everything in the bin, you know, like there's a, which is, which is a pretty controversial thing to say, I'm sure. But, but that, um, and, and, and sometimes you just have to say, well, that was version one. Now let's go start building the next version, which is maybe a bunch of different, you know, nice models or something like that. And so have have you had those, uh, customer conversations where it's like, you've just spent a year doing, (laughs) doing all this stuff, um, we should probably bin it, you know, just have you really had that conversation? And if so, kind of, well, I'm curious in the reaction. Yeah. I, I, so I haven't had the direct conversation where I've said, you need to bin this. What <laughs> I, I, what I do is I say, we're going to build this over here and we're going to leave that one alone. And so, and so I would, I, I don't think I'd ever say all, cause I don't think, I think there's value in what that person's done right and what we usually can do is infer a lot of the business rules and logic out of that model into the new one so it's not it's not totally throw away uh throw away material i think what happens though is that you know coming back to that idea of building a simple system and then augmenting it you build it and then augment it and then realize it doesn't do what we need it to do you have to go back and start again from a simple system and build it again and augment it until with the new knowledge and and i think that's where people go wrong is that they sort of they they build it and then augment it and then try and what you're trying to do is augment a complex you know, in system and it's just becomes, you pull one lever up and 12 other levers go down. And so you have, um, that happens a lot in that when you, and and Power BI models and and data models don't have to get very big for that to happen. Like it can happen with quite a small model if it's a sufficiently sort of complex uh, environment or, and so, so I think, yeah, real value is where, is where, you give the people the like the the end users, and so the approach that we sort of took was okay. Let's my role these days is much more a mentoring role than an actual building stuff for other people sure. role. Yeah. And so, so the, the 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 approach that I prefer and that I see the most success with is where I take the person who was supposed to get the report from the original person, you know, maybe they're the production manager or something like that. And I sit down and say, okay, we're going to have two hours a week and we're going to go through and you're going to build this report yourself. And I'm just going to tell you what to do for the, until you sort of get the, the idea of it. And so that, that does two things. One, it, it sort of, it gives them ownership over that. It gives them the ability to augment it. It gives them the ability to, to do to, uh, they understand it much better than I ever could. And if I, you want me to build something, then I take I tend to need time to understand the business context and, and, and there's a ramp up period. Right. And so, 
and even now, if people do ask me to build someone, something, I tend to say to one of the business people, okay, well, you're going to sit with me while I build it, you know, while I'll sort of virtually sit with me and I'm going to take you through this and this is going to be yours in the end. And I'm eventually just going to uh, be the person that sort of helps you, you know, get all of that value out there. That, you know, pushing that over to the actual end user or that sort of concept of end user B, I think that's so important from uh, for, the, for these modern tools because... That, and so what happens to the developer then, you know, like developers say, when I suggest this, developers go, oh, my God, are you saying that I don't or shouldn't exist anymore? Well, actually, there's still a need for, for BI developers, but I think that, that that BI developer role is going to become much more, it's, it's going to be much more a leadership sort of role, okay. a, a, a role where you become a champion for the tool that you guys use and and that you're you're helping other people, you know, get that role, get that out there into the world. No, that's great. So, so when you, you take a, a business, you, I mean, it sounds like you're using the teach them how to fish model. The teach um, them how to gonna, fish model. You're yeah. going to spend, spend some time to help teach them how to fish. So I guess there I'll ask you kind of what are the ABCs of teaching someone how to, how to properly use, you know, their technology to get what they need. Like what, what have you discovered? What is at the highest level? What, what's the approach is we're trying to simplify this for our listeners. I think the, yeah, the, AB, I mean, the ABCs of, of using these tools is, is, is really under like understanding that, you know, and I, I, I bring it a little bit back to that, that value stream, right. Is that these, I mean, a lot of these tools work in a sort of similar way. So there's the concept of connecting to data. Yeah. And so, so how do we connect to data, understanding all of the different, uh, you know, the different opportunities for how that should work and, and, and what, what's available to them and, and some of the things that they have, they don't need to have a complex understanding of how to connect to data. Usually there's somebody that can, you know, surface it in a SQL table or something similar, simple for them, but, but just knowing that it's there so that they, you know, particularly things like, um, you know, in the Power BI world, we spend a lot of time, you've usually got a data warehouse of some kind or some kind of SQL or some kind of, you know, something that people can connect to, but then there's some ad hoc data over on the side that, you know, nobody really talks about, or, you know, that, that, that somebody in the business has been hacking away at for a while. And, and the, the trick to these tools is getting the two to merge together, you know? And so, so I think that appreciation for how that, what's possible in that realm is really important. Once you've got that appreciation for what's possible there, and you know, like there's some amazing stuff you can do with things like Power Query and Power BI that, you know, like these sort of iterative transformation tools, you can kind of shape data any way you want and giving people appreciation for that. People spend a lot of time, like it's, I guess it's something that surprises me now because I sort of know what's possible, but you know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day who just said, who was talking about how they wrote a C++ program to unpivot some data, right? It was like, why did you write a, and they, well, well, I had this data, it was this shape and it had many columns this way and I needed it in many rows. And so I, what I had to do is get each column and then I wrote this program that took the column and I'm like, that's just an unpivot. It's like literally one click in, in Power Query. And, and so the... I still, I think that there's, there's kind of a, a bit of a disconnect, particularly in business people and people who aren't working in data every day, that there's all this stuff you can do transformation wise that, that, um, you know, there's sort of capabilities that, 
that are really easy now that maybe, you know, were the, the realm of sort of the, the people that you needed to sort of send the data off and then have it come back sure. in the right way. So that appreciation for that. So appreciation for connection, appreciation for transformation and appreciation for good data modeling. I think the data modeling is an amazing skill to have. I, I'd go so far as to say that if you're an executive and you know how to do modeling and analytics of data, you're going to outperform other executives by, I think that's the thing that I really see and probably the challenge that I put out for anybody who's in an executive position is that I, I think that there's, you have a responsibility as an executive to really know how to analyze data properly because you're kind of at that front line of the decision-making process. And I think that to expect people downstream of you to understand the way that you think in a way that you can properly analyze and uh, uh, that they can analyze the data for you is, is uh, um, you can make it work, but people who can do it themselves are going to really outperform executives that don't. And so, so that's my, I'm going to soapbox about that with some executives and see how I go. That's fantastic. So, yeah. so the call out to any executives listening to this, you know, Greg, he's expecting you to understand how to data model. And, but the point, it, it's a perfect point, Greg, it's like, um, people downstream can't understand how you think or what you, how you're trying to look at the data. And so what better, um, better way to make sure that that's uh, communicated or understood by kind of, are you, are you suggesting that executives, you know, start going through the data modeling workshops and they're running these things, or it's really just being able to uh, understand it and, and contribute in a in a basic way. Yeah, hard to say. I think probably that they need to have an appreciation for it. If they don't, they don't necessarily have to do it, but you need an appreciation for how it how it fits together so that you can articulate to analysts the way that things need to happen. If you, if you are, I mean, I don't expect Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft to be using Power BI, right? But but I, I, I would expect him to be slicing and dicing data in Power BI. And I believe that that is how he uses it, right? So yeah. so at, the, at that sort of executive layer, you need some data exploration stuff without maybe writing the SQL code to actually get the data out or the, you know, at, that, at the lowest level. But unless he has an, unless he can communicate really effectively what he's trying to like how he wants to analyze that data that I think that's you know where that the, the sort of the up and coming sort of generation of of people who are working in middle management in who are learning these tools they're going to come up into you know executive roles and they're going to have that skill set and so you're going to have this situation where you've got some executives who know how to really know how to analyze data and some who don't you do kind of see that with excel skills you know and in particularly in finance like you either have a cfo who really knows excel or a cfo that just wants to read reports and so uh, you find a lot of cfos really know excel really well right and so I think that's true, going to be very true of sort of operational COOs into the future is that you, you need those operational people who can really, you know, have that appreciation for how data sort of fits together and how it affects their operations. So on the scenario where you, you've delivered business value, it, it sounds like, you know, the, the, the client took it 12 months, didn't get a lot out of it. And your approach was to stay focused as, as you've articulated throughout the, the, the mm. show here is like, stay focused on a single domain, deliver value. How do you, did you feel pressure from other areas of the business? How do you keep other areas at bay as you're focusing on an area that presumably is narrower than 
delivering that whole vision to every every stakeholder. Yeah, this is sort of comes down to batch size, right? So this is where we're like one of the things that I've learned to do successfully uh, in the, probably in the last two years where I really started to think about what's the best operational way to deliver, you know, data inside an organization is, is that we have to try and reduce the batch size of the pieces that we're doing to as, to the smallest possible thing. There's this concept called single piece flow inside the Toyota production system where, you know, like you have like, and, and to put it in a DevOps perspective, you write one piece of code, one line of code, and then you hit enter and that line of code goes into production, right? That's single piece flow from a code okay. perspective, right? And so that um, from a from a data perspective, you know, I, I try and break it down to an individual uh, visualization. This is the thing that I talk about in my data ops talk is, is okay, what's a piece of work in, in you know, what are we actually delivering? We're delivering, so we could deliver a report, you could deliver a dashboard, right? Which is maybe an amalgamation of several reports. That yep. That is a huge huge undertaking from a from a from a batch size point of view you've got potentially many many calculations many many data sources many many things that could be all mangled many variables yeah. lots of variables the variance between you know i i can build a report for you or a dashboard yeah it could be two hours or seven weeks you know like the the variance is huge so we want to reduce that variance down so that we've got exactly you know we can kind of guess how long something's going to take us to do so what we do is we chop up the report into many pages well even a page has got many visuals on it that could be you know one visual might be okay another visual might be easy and then the third visual might be some kind of horrible calculation that takes forever and so you know so that's still too big and so we reduce again and so I, I wanted to get it right down to single piece flow like to code levels every measure type thing I think that's too small in a lot of ways so we we kind of settle and the, the way that I work with my team is on visualization level so so every single tile if you think of a you know a bar graph or a pie chart yep. or whatever that's a visualization so every visualization is its own sort of card in Jira if you like it's its mm -hmm. own piece and right. so so when I'm working when there's multiple teams like that and you say everybody wants a little piece of everything if you're down at that sort of low batch level you can have production team working on their one production visualization and then you can move over to the to the distribution team and then they can have their and you're working on that visualization for them and so everybody's getting value in small pieces often and so iterate and then you iterate on that so that way you're dealing with a situation where you're not i'm working on the production report and i'll get back to you in 10 weeks you know let's like i'm working on production report today but that'll be finished by the end of the day and then you're now priority for whatever reason because you're more you've decided you're more important or so let's work on your visualization but we're only going to do this much and so you set that expectation and the good thing about that is you deliver value and then they go away and they decide their pie chart needs to be green and not yellow. And they, you know, they, they can have all those sorts of user feedback conversations can happen yep. while you're either working on the next piece or working on somebody else's thing. And so it's really about that ability to deliver those things over and over again in small pieces rather than trying to build a whole big giant solution. And then right at the end, you dump it all on them. Okay. Test that and tell me what's right. And then they're sure. like, well, there's no, I don't want to test. That's too much, you know. So does that that mean you get that feedback very quickly? You're building something, yes. giving it to them. They say, "Hey, I want it yellow instead of green, or whatever it is." And then you're making those changes. Yeah, okay. Correct. And then effectively, they're testing it as well because they're looking at it and saying, "Hold on, that correct. data that doesn't correct. look right." That's exactly okay. Yeah. And do you cover un, uncover a lot of DQ issues uh, in that process, mate? There's, 
yeah, 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 yeah. That's and that's the whole point is that I think invariably, you know, particularly people who work in analytics know and you know that getting back to that idea that the goalposts change all the time is that yeah. you build a report and everybody changes their mind i sure. i know that you're going to change your mind when you and and so i'm i'm when people the, the worst question that people ask me is you know hey i want you to build this data platform so how long do you think that's going to take and it's just like well let me break that up into the 8000 things that you need yeah. and then we have to take into consideration the 4000 decision point changes you're going to make before we get to the end and then Absolutely. I can, you know, it's like that to, to estimate that scope is really, really hard, but actually to estimate, Hey, can you build me a pie graph that shows me, uh, you know, the, the breakdown of, um, you know, sales by product. Oh, I yep. can, I can estimate that, you know? And so that's the, um, that's the thing. And, and so, yeah, that we've had a lot of success with that kind of approach. So you mentioned, uh, you, you've given us a bit of the successful approach and kind of how you've delivered it. And you mentioned, you've learned from where it wasn't so successful. So do you, yeah. want, to, you want to share one of those scenarios? So where, well, what was the industry you're working in? You know, how, what, what were you there to focus on? How did you go about it? And how did you know that it, it wasn't working? Yeah. So we were doing, we worked, working with developers. So one of the things that we do in Power BI, you can do in embedded solutions, right? So we're working, you can embed, you know, analytics inside another solution. And so we're working with the developer, the developer's building a new product. It's in the, um, uh, in the transport industry and um and they they so and our solution is going to be embedded in their solution it's like a web portal and then and so so this was a really interesting one because we it, we, they sort of said, okay, we're building this solution. And we said, okay, what do you, you know, how is it, what's the sort of data domain? And they're like, oh, we haven't really thought about that. We're just building, we're agile. We're going to just build, you know, like, okay, great. So, um, and so they were building on MongoDB, which is a NoSQL database, right? And so anybody that's worked in NoSQL databases, I have since discovered, knows that analytics is like a nightmare for NoSQL, right? right? Because, because NoSQL is designed to make the developer's life really easy, but it's not designed it's 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 schema on read and it's really um from an analytics point of view it's basically in the worst possible form from for getting data out of it in a way that sort of makes sense because it's sort of embedded json files you know and they can be 12 deep and depending on the way that the developer sort of develops it it, it becomes really really complicated you know <laughs> and so to do that there's a probably the the thing that we didn't have an appreciation for and this is definitely before we got into the world of devs is one of the reasons why we got into devops and, and data ops and the way that things work is that we didn't have an appreciation for that like we had a lot of success with power bi sort of you know dealing with sort of sql databases and sort of flat data sets and things that were pretty easy and we didn't have an appreciation that that something and and the reporting was conceptually pretty simple you know we just need to know where you know xyz just needs to be here and here you know and so so the data model that we could kind of sketch we could sketch the data model out pretty reasonably well we knew all the entities we kind of knew what the transactions needed to look like in terms of fact tables and so like okay so the data model needs to look like this we're going to have these reports they could provide samples of you know the types of reports that they wanted um probably so the mistakes that we made is that we didn't have any like reconciliation reports it was a brand new system so we couldn't reconcile against an, another report one of the key things that really saves our lives 
daily really is, is, is the, the, the question is how do I test this, right? How do I, how do I ensure that the number that I get on my report is the same number that you are expecting and how can I test it so that I don't send it to you and it's wrong. So I think numbers being wrong is one of those things that just people's brains explode. It doesn't matter whether you're, how good your report looks. Yep. If someone's brain will explode if the number's wrong for whatever reason, it just doesn't sure. look right. And so, so any analyst who wants to, who wants to be successful should be asking that report every time is that, okay, you want to sales by product? Great. Okay. How do I know when you say sales, you mean total sales or average sales or, you know, Oh, you mean total sales. Okay. And then, and then, so how do I know that when I say, you know, we sold 4,000 widgets or $4,000 worth of widgets, um, how do we, how do we know that's right? Oh, well, I've got a report here that shows me $4,000 worth of widgets in August. Okay. So give me that report. And so if I balance against this, it's correct. Okay, great. So then you've got something to test against. So you're building testing into the development process is one of the key ideas. You don't have testers in the world of data ops or DevOps. There's no testing that happens at the end other than you say, yes, it's correct because we've already tested it. The test is built into the development and the users say, yes, it's correct because we like the look of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so we didn't have an appreciation for that. We did have nothing to test against. And so that was sort of red flag number one. Red flag number two was MongoDB and it was a NoSQL database. And so it was a complex data environment. And and then red flag number three was that there was a lot of data, right? The data was at five minute increments over a long period of time as kind of like this very, very transactional data. And so highly, highly transactional data gets weird and, and it's wide. So you've got a lot of your tables are wide in terms of like, there's a lot of columns, you know, in a single sort of fact table, which is kind of the catalyst for things going really slowly in the world of analytics, you know, like that's where, that's why we moved away from Excel and, you know, those big Frankenstein V lookup tables where we add, add a column every time we want to add a new attribute, you know? And so, so it kind of had all of the hallmarks that that would cause all sorts of problems, and it did. And so we built a very large, very complex data model, and I've got sort of a picture that I show during the data ops, you know, uh, talk about it, you know, where we I go, well, this is, you know, this is data that's not optimized for analytics. That was really the problem. It wasn't optimized for an analysis. It's optimized for, right. for transactional work. And we didn't put enough time in the engineering side to optimize it for analysis before we even tried to build the data model. Like we just, we just like yeah give us some json files and away we go and we'll you know we've we'll build this. stuff we've, we've got, got this <laughs> and it just yeah just turned into a absolute, when it's 12 deep huh? yeah yeah 12 deep exactly it. yeah it was really horrible because you sort yeah. of yeah it was it was flattening the files just turned into you know and they wanted it every five minute like they wanted the data every five minutes basically live and and we're trying to take an hour to refresh you know it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's just a, yeah giant mistake uh so yeah we kind of got that wrong but that it was good in that it, we, it was the catalyst for learning about, okay, we, that's wrong, then what's right, you know? And yeah, I approach that very differently these days. So Greg, I, I have a feeling we could talk for days about um, yeah, yeah. You know, some of the, the projects, uh, good, bad, and, and ugly. So I'll, I'll come down to kind of my last one or two questions here. Um, I, I think the first one is, uh, is there a, a training that you've done or a book 
that you would recommend that you think is highly influential just in how people should think when it comes to data and insights? Or what's something that you found to be real beneficial that we could tell our listeners, you know, maybe they might go and, and look it up themselves? Yeah, I think my favorite books on this subject is The Phoenix Project, which is a, it's a DevOps book. That's one of the, so that came out, I think that was about 2010, 11, 12, something like that. So that was one of the precursors to the DevOps movement that sort of really started people. And and that's a story. I like this book because it's a narrative book, you know, and so I like these narrative books in this, uh, you know, so there's the goal, which is the, the, the book from the eighties about manufacturing. So the Phoenix project is based on the goal. And so that's by a guy called Gene Kim. And he talks about Bill, who's like an IT manager, I guess, and he, he's responsible for like, you know, managing this horrible project. And, and it's a, it's a great, um, it's a great story. And so there's a follow up book to that called the unicorn project. And so the unicorn project is, is actually more data ops focused. It's more about getting data in, but you kind of, I think you have to read the Phoenix project first. So I'd recommend that little series of books is great to get, get you into this world of under thinking about it and data in a different way. Um, and I see they're kind of the rabbit hole that leads you down all the other paths that you need to sort of go, depending on sort of how interested you are, I guess. Thanks. That, that's, that's a great recommendation. I'm putting it on my list. Um, the, the series of books there. Um, last question. What is a people skill as, you know, I want to come back to kind of humanizing data and the process and there, there, there are regular people that sit behind all this stuff. So what's a, a people skill that you find hugely amplifies the ability to deliver good information or conversely, if that's too much of a challenge, you know, a, a, a poor people skill that significantly will kill an effort to deliver great great information yeah people skills is hard for the bi people in the people skills let me tell you it is the hard thing for for people that are used to to sort of you know sitting in the back corner um i think the key so fundamentally the 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 best thing that you can do from a from a people point of view is 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 to be constantly learning thinking about your your uh, your the system in which you work and then constantly learning and then encouraging others to learn more about the system as well. And so they have this concept, um, this idea of, of, of psychological safety inside uh, the DevOps movement and this and and this and sort of safety culture we call it. And it, the the cultural things around this is is really the 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 uh, the idea that the, per, the people are never really the problem in these situations right is that is that if we all and 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 i think IT people and BI people and data people are particularly uh, well suited to think this way is that if you consider the system, everything to be a system issue, if you consider the system is the problem, then, then you, and, and then if you can, if you can express things in that way and you can, you can have conversations with your peers around, um, around issues as if they're system problems rather than that sort of culture of blame and, oh, you know, Bob's can't do this because he's terrible. That's, that's that's the thing that'll that that makes a difference between a successful uh, implementation or a successful sort of um, 
sort of modern sort of data culture and, and, and really any, any sort of team culture and, and sort of the old way of doing things is that is, is, is that certainly the, the, the most success that I've had and, and in terms of talking to people is, is you can get a bunch of data people in the room and you say, okay, well, our challenge here is to try and deliver this report as quickly as possible. And, you know, here's all of the challenges, system challenges that we have associated with that. They'll start coming up with solutions. Like people are inherently great problem solvers like that. And and if you can express problems in that way and you can, you know, there's, if you're a leader in this, in this, uh, in this sort of uh, area that the the idea is is to lead like a gardener right so so your idea the idea is to is to curate a culture where people can can grow themselves rather than than tell everybody what to do so you don't lead like a chess master right you're not here you're not there to control all the pieces you're there to sort of uh, foster growth and and that is key to to getting high performing teams in this area as well is because because you you can't it's too complex a system for you to just tell everyone, okay, you build this report and you extract that system and you do that. You, you'll never, you'll never be able to do that. And, and the more that you can do that, create a, a culture in which people aren't afraid to, you know, uh, to express ideas, you'll get better and better ideas out of the team. And so you get a, a much better result. And so, yeah, I, I, I think we've got the title of, of this podcast, uh, lead like a gardener. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, Greg, I, I want to extend you a, a huge thanks for um, spending the time and coming on and sharing all the wisdom. We, we've got so many goodies that came out of this uh, today's uh, discussion. Definitely, you've helped to simplify what is de- a growingly complex, uh, increasingly complicated uh, data and information landscape. So really appreciate your time. And I, I would love to come back and do it again because, I, I, like I said, I think we could share many more stories. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. Take care. Bye. This podcast has been produced with support from the RXP Group. Editing and technical expertise from Active Imagination Digital. Digital.